Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. This is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you from a campground. We still haven't made it home. (laughs) In Uh, Mississippi. We've moved just a bit, but we're back on the Gulf Coast in Mississippi. We are waiting for some bad weather to go by, so this was a good time and opportunity for us to sit down and talk to you about what we've been doing for the last month. And we have lots of exciting things, because this month has been a red banner day for technology. Oh, the RV Navigator has been buying once again. Are you talking about your Presto Power Popper? Well, that was exciting, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we should mention this. This was kind of nice. Um, We all like popcorn, and one of our listeners by the name of Boyd uh, sent me an email and said, Hey, you got to try the Presto Power Popper, which you can buy at Walmart. And we've all used bags of popcorn for quite a while in the old microwave. But uh, it would be nice to be able to customize those bags or what's in those bags for your own uses. And perhaps make it more healthy? Make it more healthy, and you can use oil or not use oil. And so if you go to Walmart, you can buy the Presto Power Popper. Ooh, that's kind of fun to say. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I said it. <laughs> and for about 12 or $15, and it will replaces the bags, and then you just buy popcorn, and so it's much cheaper than, than buying bags of popcorn, plus you know exactly what ingredients are in the popping corn as you make it, because you can make different kinds. And we bought some some of the official Orville Redenbacher seasonings. Pop- seasonings, and you can buy buttered oil. You can you do it dry. You can do it with oil. So it's actually very versatile. So if you're a little bit weight conscious <coughs> and you want to make very healthy popcorn, you can do it dry. dry but if yeah. you're interested in using it with oil, you can do that too. And if you're a green person, um, you do have to wash yes. out and clean this power popper after you're done using but it's it. Easy. But then you're not throwing away um, bags that and need it doesn't. To be uh, and it pops virtually all of the corn, and it takes in our market microwave. It only took two and a half minutes. Similar to a so a, it's a little bit faster. A than bag. Actually. Similar. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I haven't done that many bags. No. Okay, so that's uh, an exciting event. But has there been other technology that we have perhaps Gee, I can't purchased? remember. Oh, yes. Well, we had to make the last podcast a little bit early because on April 3rd, we stood in line at the Apple Store and picked up our pre-ordered Apple iPad. Always being the Luddite, I wasn't quite convinced that we needed <laughs> an iPad, but it yes. was really cool that Ken registered for it ahead of time because there was a long line. You, I'm sure you saw it on the news, whatever city you live by, and we just kind of waltzed in like we were the Queen of England, and these little tech guys buzzed around. Yeah, it was and very well organized, get really. Going. Um, it was, I felt like a VIP. So we went to the Apple Store and picked up our iPad. Um, there aren't too many models, so we just uh, we bought the 64 gigabyte model, and we have been. Uh, well, we didn't really have a use for it. Shall we say? It's nice to hear you admit that. But 
it is a transformational device. You know, there are revolutionary devices, there are transformational devices, there are devices which are evolutionary, and I think this is going to fit into the transformational device. Now... And what Ken said to me that really convinced me was that when he first bought his first iPod, he wasn't sure what he would do with it or what it was for. And, of course, I was a Johnny-come-lately compared to him in that regard as well, and now I can't live without one. So I'm, I'm suspecting that this will just be one of those tools, especially for travelers, that will just be a godsend because you can do so much on such a small piece of equipment. It is very light and very cool. The screen is extremely bright. I've written a nice review, and I'm going to put a link on our uh, page uh, for you to take a look at so you can read my, my comments. But uh, for us just talking about it and uh, getting excited, it is a very interesting technology, and they've done an, a nice job. Now, if you are a Luddite or otherwise skeptical about computers and technology as a whole, then this might be really the, the device for you. Because it's so easy to use. If you have skepticism and you just say, I don't want to learn all this stuff about technology and I, you know, I just want to be able to use it. And that's one of the things that's transformed cars. You know, you used to have to go out and crank them up and chokes and all sorts of other stuff to put in and keep them running. I remember you out in the driveway with spark plugs. And all sorts of stuff. And now, you know, you just go out and turn the key and it starts. Well, computers are getting to that level so that you just go out, you start it, and you go where you want to go rather than having to know anything about the insides. And at this uh, iPad, you don't need to know anything about the insides. It has one button besides the volume control. Well, actually, two. It's got the on-off switch, a volume control, and a button that operates for the operating system. So that everything on the screen is all done with touchscreen. So it's much more, you know, no point and click. I remember when I first... When I first showed my mother how to use her computer, she was well into her 70s when I bought her a computer. And she didn't understand how a mouse works. We just take it for granted. But for her, it was a totally new way of thinking and doing things. And I was working in a guidance office, and my counselors, who all got computers, made the students do the mousing for them because they couldn't do it themselves for a while. Oh, no. Uh, So... Those of us who are a little bit more technologically literate to kind of take these things for granted. But uh, but on the other hand, I understand that these things can be confusing, and I've seen people be confused by And if it. you don't know, you get frustrated, right. and then it's not fun or helpful. Exactly. So the iPad uses um, a, a new operating system, which is very easy to use because it's all point and click. And after you've used a few hand gestures... Hopefully not the middle finger. <laughs> After you've learned a few hand gestures uh, with your fingers on the screen, you can run the whole operating system. And in terms of saving or knowing where to save or connecting to the Internet, it's it's pretty much brain dead. It's very simple. So what can you use the iPad for? And what, what new things? Well, one of the things that we were very pleased to see was that you could do Netflix downloading. So Netflix has a feature called Live When you look in your Netflix queue, certain of the films that are in your queue are listed as downloadable immediately. Not downloadable, but streaming. Streaming. And if you've got a decent Internet connection, which we often do not in campgrounds, um, you can stream it and watch it whenever you feel like it, which is very cool. And the screen is just very bright and very pretty, so that that works very well. Um, And you're going to see more and more 
apps, which are the little programs that make the iPad do things that uh, Apple never intended. And this is so customizable um, because you download the apps for things that you like to do. Um, If you're into genealogy, you download an app for that. If you're into technology, there are a myriad of apps And you've heard us talk about the iPhone apps. And all the iPhone apps, the 170,000 iPhone apps work on the iPad, but they don't fill the screen. So we're kind of waiting for iPad apps that use the full power of the iPad to um, to become available so that we can give it a full test. And that's one of the reasons why you might want to wait is because it uh, the, the apps are not really available. But we have found several that are very nice. Um, and we should talk about uh, reading books on it. Well, as you probably recall, uh, before we went to Europe, I bought a Kindle and was surprised how readily and easily I transferred over to uh-huh. e-reading. And um, I didn't get all the books finished that I had bought in Europe because I was paranoid about running out. <laughs> and uh, I downloaded an, a Kindle app for the iBook and could continue uh, reading those books. So that and, it's interactive. And it syncs just like the uh-huh. Kindle does and it remembers where I stopped reading so I also have the books on my iPhone and if I have a few minutes to wait in a doctor's office I can read a few pages and it syncs again back to my iPad so I found it if anything easier to use than the Kindle in terms of reading Um, at this point though the iBook store does not have nearly the library that the Amazon people do but who cares Um, I don't care and that's and that's the beauty of apps and I don't care where I buy the book as long as I can get the book that I want to read Apple has its own bookstore but it doesn't have a lot of books and you download the Apple app for reading their books but at the same time you can download the Kindle app and have access to the entire Amazon library just as if it were a Kindle. And when we were in Rome, I used the Kindle as a walking guide when uh, we were looking at the Rick Steves guidebook for Rome, and I found it difficult to navigate between chapters compared to the iBook. Uh, For the iBook, we just downloaded a thousand places to see in the United States and Canada before you die, and because it has more hot links, you can leap from place to place more easily. And And plus you can go on the web orient myself right so bottom line is there are going to be a lot of very cool apps and there are some very nice ones available right now and the apps are quite inexpensive so that you can can load up your ipad with uh, cool cool tools that uh, that you can use but you know i'm not putting the same apps on here as i do my iphone because you're not yeah. going to carry this around all the time. Exactly. And it's so not having a camera on this doesn't bother me at all. Not having 3G on this doesn't bother me at all because it is not the same thing as an iPhone. The iPhone gives me access to data wherever I am because I carry it with me. The iPad is something I'm going to take out and use when I want to access data. And the one that we have is just uh, Wi-Fi enabled. For those people who are not fanatics like yourself, um, what will the next ones have? What, what, what choices will people have to make? Uh, it's really hard to tell. Uh-huh. You know, I think it's going to determine somewhat by feedback. But this is a content-consuming device and not primarily a content-creating device. Although so I was if surprised if when I turned yeah. it horizontally that I could type on, on the keyboard fairly comfortably with most of my ten fingers as opposed to trying to type on a phone. But what I mean by that is that you can browse the web, you can do email, of course, you can do many of the things that you do on a laptop computer, but 
it's primarily used to do those things instead of creating content. Uh, it's hard to make a web page, for instance. It might be you could. It has word processing and it has a keyboard, an electronic keyboard built in. You type on the screen. Right. Or as an accessory, you can buy a physical keyboard that would plug into it. And how about photo manipulation? Which is well, that's thing. another neat, neat thing like about this. As a, <laughs> it might be a little expensive, but as a photo frame. It, it, it certainly exhibits photos nicely, but yes. I'm talking about and the, and the screen travel is just, photos or manipulating them. That, well, that's one of the things that I'm that I'm working at because one of my ideas is to buy the photo access card reader so that I can plug in the cards from, from my camera. camera and download them right, right into the iPad without having to carry my laptop. And then will it have some and photo can, manipulation and it, software? And it, well, the iPhone does, and so I'm assuming uh-huh. that's, uh, that that's coming down the road. Uh-huh. And I just downloaded an application last night that uh, actually is built for the iPad and and will let me do some manipulation. So that's coming down the road. And then you just sync it with your computer. Hmm, that's an interesting. Can you use the iPad without a computer? Yeah. Yeah, you can. But you're not going to get the full benefit of it unless you have a computer to download it f- from. But if you travel for a long time, uh, you can come home and just uh, update it when you get home because that's where all your pictures will be from your camera. Mm-hmm. And you can. the nice thing about it is, is that you can look at them on this really beautiful screen. Oh, yeah, they're spectacular. And see the pictures. Sharp uh, and colorful yes, like yeah, you've never seen yeah, before. And see if they're the quality that you're expecting from your camera. These other little, you know, you put them on your iPhone and they're so small you really can't read anything or see much. It's a nice screen, but it just doesn't have the, the same capabilities. This is a 9.7-inch screen, so it is uh, much bigger. And you'd expect that a 9.7-inch screen would give you uh, would give you a fits in terms of battery life. But one of the things that we've been amazed about with the iPad is that the battery life is stunning. It's very long, um, at least 10 hours. Somebody said that they played their music, which, of course, it has the music player, the iTunes built into it, so that you can put your music onto it, too. Somebody just let it play, and it played for several days wow. without stopping. Yeah. Another thing I liked when we've watched movies on laptop screens, there was always fallout when you're sitting to the side. Fall off. Fall off. And it was equally Right, sitting next to you, and that's one of the things they have done. It. Yes, so it's made it so that the viewing angle is extremely wide. Too. So we could each we could sit down and both of us see the screen if we were watching a movie. And of course, you can download movies in case you don't have an internet connection or Netflix. But Netflix was very cool, right there on the screen. Um, another nice app that we have was the USA Today, and I think this is a real harbinger of typical applications that are going to come down the road. You're going to see applications specialized to uh, specific media. And the USA Today is just a very spectacular application because you just press on the screen on an article uh, on the little summary and it pops up with the whole article. You can page pictures. you can page 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 by page. You can go to the different sections that are part of the USA Today. And as I see it, I don't think I'll ever buy another printed copy of the USA Today again. Because and, and right it seems to be the full. It's free, but they've got to start course, charging money because newspapers have to change their business. Well, there's model going to be some interesting uh, subscription models for the uh, iPad, and that's one of the things that we're anxious to see. So we see it as a consumption tool and a place for us to store our pictures and to do some light manipulation of our pictures. It has a high speed processor that is one gigahertz. 
So, but it seems like it's much faster. It's much snappier than the iPhone, for instance, so that it has the iPhone on steroids, uh, even though it's a much bigger screen. So we've been very happy with it so far and have impressed a few people with it, but tried to keep it under wraps so that it won't be too obvious that the RV Navigator is showing off. <laughs> but to our listeners, <laughs> you get to hear the full story. <laughs> and I'm also starting, I decided uh, there have been so many comments about iPads and iPhones and some of this mobile technology, I've decided to start a mobile RV blog so that you can read about comments and hopefully you will be able to post comments and hopefully you will post comments. You will definitely be able to. So if you want to take a look at that, that's going to be at rv-mobiletech.com That's rv-m-o-b-i-l-e-t-e-c-h.com and that's going to be our blog space for you and me to discuss uh, dealing with the issues that these mobile devices bring up. So uh, post questions, and and we will have a nice dialogue. How often are you planning on writing on there? Oh, once a week or more. And how will people know when there's a new article? They can get the RSS feed. Ah, she asked the pithy questions. <laughs> well, I hate that when I read people's blogs and they comment irregularly and then i forget to, to look at and them. you know we were talking to a, a fellow rver here in the park yesterday and her son goes to lsu and she was telling us that her son oh he had to buy another textbook um and it cost 379 textbook which blew her socks away understandably so although i know college tech textbooks have gotten very very much more expensive than then we use that got us to talking about putting textbooks on e-readers of some sort. If you figure that somebody is going to spend three hundred seventy-five dollars for a book, that the printing price probably was at least half or more of that, so that you could get it for half that price. So that is throwing in the price of an iPad, five hundred dollars, uh, when you're buying fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars worth of books. Uh, may be very reasonable if you can get them all electronic and then you don't have to carry them around because this screen is viable to use uh, for high-quality photographs and things that a textbook w would need. Um, you might want to take a look at uh, our, our download page also because uh, I have a comparison there between the Kindle and the iPad done by PC World. A nice video. So are you happy that you lost your iPad? I mean, you're oh, sorry that you lost your Kindle. No, I still, I'm still kicking myself in the behind regularly about that. No, no, but it was such a stupid thing to do. Yes, but you've been able to work around it. Well, I still have. Are you going to replace it? Probably not. Really? Um, I still have grave hesitations about this being our iPad because no, I, we oh, share it very well. We have shared it wonderfully. And that's because I haven't used it. Why? Why not? <laughs> So oh, I, I can see if I'm going to replace the Kindle, I'll probably replace it with another iPad. That would be my prediction. I have been very generous in the time that you can use it any time. All you have to do is. Well, so. if we both start travel, I reading, think we'll have this discussion offline. <laughs> well, we both like to read at the same time. I know. And if more and more of our stuff that well, we read is on there, that's a problem. <laughs> 
Well, you asked the question. Oh, but you answered it. Okay. Um, before we get on to more technology, let's talk about some of the places that we've been. Well, you know, it was it's kind of hard to decide where to go. Uh, when yes. you have seen all of the grade major A major attractions, uh, then you get all these tourist brochures, and we obviously surf around on the web. And we we one of the ways we've been deciding where to go is by looking for a local festival in an area because chances are that means that some plant or product or activity is going great guns at that particular moment and communities make a little celebration out of it. Yes. And so these vary greatly in terms of uh, scope and quantity by the size of the community. Yes. Well, and there are probably other factors too, but uh, we have traveled uh, now uh, we spent about four months in Texas, and since we last talked to you, we have traveled to the interior of Texas. And we went up to the hill country. We went up to the hill country, which is just north. Well, it's east, much bigger than I northwest. realized. It, it extends from north Someplace. of San Antonio um, <laughs> to north of Austin, and okay. more on the west side of those cities than on the east side. Um, and it's an, an area that seems to be higher in elevation than uh, the surrounding area, which probably makes it a bit cooler in the summer, um, which was not a major factor at this particular time of the year. And as the name implies, is somewhat hillier than the flat, quite a lot flat hill. as yeah, a yeah. pancake uh, country Texas, that the rest of Texas sure. is. And, um, it's, part of its claim to fame is the flowers. flowers. Uh, I don't know how it was before Lyndon Johnson was president, but I know that one of his wife's big campaigns was to plant wildflower seeds wildflower, in, the blue bonnets. in roadways and byways all across the country. But, of course, she had the most influence in Texas. And to this day, we read that every year uh, they send out trucks which... Pearl, three, thirty thousand pounds, pounds of wildflower <laughs> seeds around the hill country, which sounds like a lot, but it is a big area, and we found that it was very erratic and sporadic, the way Mother Nature often is. But people told us that because it has been such a rainy winter, we saw an especially nice display. And we got some terrific pictures this year of the bluebonnets. We were here uh, a couple of years ago, and. The we were taken out on a blue bonnet uh, day to go and, and view them, but uh, it wasn't enough, and so we decided to come back and and view the blue bonnets and go to a blue bonnet festival, which was quite interesting. And this in little the hill town, country and this little Texas. town called Burnet was designated the center. <laughs> wait, of wait, how's that pronounced? Burnet. <laughs> how's it spelled? B u r n e t. We had a huge problem. <laughs> we often don't know how to say things. You feel like a moron, but people have been very nice. Uh, so this little town. Is designated it. as the capital of the Blue Bonnets. We don't know why, because it was nice there, but it was nice a lot of places. And so they had a little festival. It's officially de- dedicated. And this, um, the parade in particular tickled us no end because Because they paid the most to have the flowers spread around them, I would yeah. think. <laughs> we ended up sitting next to a very local lady, a few years our senior, who could barely contain her joy as every float went by because she <laughs> knew everybody on every float. <laughs> yeah, and she bowed down to the politicians. Um, she was obviously no fool. Uh, and it really gave us that small town feeling that we don't get when we are at home in Metro Chicago. Oh, 5,000 people is not very many for a, a town. But that also meant that the festival itself was quite small. We, we visited all the vendors <laughs> in about band. half an hour. <laughs> and, and there really wasn't that much else going on there. Um, so if you want um, a festival with a lot of activity, you need to be in an area that has a lot more people. 
the hill country was interesting um, because we were able to get off the road and, and onto some of the, the byways, and they actually have a map of where the, the flowers are the best, and the TV talks about it. So we did get some terrific pictures of the blue bonnets. And they come in not only blue, but there's the another flower that goes right along with them. So a lot of the roadway is red uh, from the other flower, whose and, name is... And other stuff gets sprinkled in as well. So you have red, blue, pink, white, yellow, yeah. pink, and this kind of very vibrant purple color uh-huh, flowers. Uh-huh. I and know what they all And you're were. driving down the road. I mean, it's like in the median. It's on the side uh, during the prime season. And we we went off the road... <laughs> I think we were kind of surprised because you go off the road in New England to look at the fall colors, and some of the best colors are there. But, of course, because these are the blue bonnets are spread by a truck, they probably don't go there. Well, and I think farther in, in fields, I mean, so over time they would spread in, people mow them or animals eat them, yeah. um, and they don't make it from year to year. So the best viewing is right alongside the road. So finding the blue bonnets was kind of an interesting experience. And, of course, we also enjoyed... Um, um, immediately adjacent to this area is the barbecue trail. Um, barbecue. And you get a, another map from the Tourist Bureau of the four big towns for eating barbecue. And, uh, and this was a whole other experience. Very alien for us. Very I mean, we alien. eat what we think is barbecue at home, but it's nothing like this, nor is well, the ordering and eating process. Well, the, the, anything I think the, like the food may be similar to what, you know, you have ribs, but, you know, up in our area, we don't have brisket, for instance. No. And many of the specialties that these restaurants had we didn't have but the places that you go to and the way you eat the barbecue now i'm sorry if you guys are from texas already or louisiana but you know you'd already know this stuff but it was new to us it was quite an experience for us first of all when you get to these places you you're just not would, always sure you wouldn't that stop you're there you just you're not driving down the road and you'd stop and say oh this small is small and poorly maintained dilapidated well, yeah. not well signed uh, and you're just, not even sure if you're in the right spot you know this is really an, an an example of a place that depends on the quality of the food and, and not the word of mouth and the word well the quality of the food should bring word of mouth uh-huh. where around us you know the way the restaurant looks kind of is determines how many patrons it has in it many gives cases you a feel for what's inside right so or we, the chain connection if there were cues here we didn't see them and then and then <laughs> i was quite dismayed the first time we went in one because they hurled the the meat that we selected on paper <laughs> No plates, and they wouldn't give us any silverware. I kind of felt like a caveman <laughs> eating this delicious meat. Meat, give me meat. <laughs> and then they give you like six slices of Wonder, but, well, well, wonder was, Bread. Yeah, but this was most, fairly. This was typical. Yes. Yeah, that's the way it is. And of course, there's never any waitress service. You stand in a line, stand at a counter. And they're and on a hot day. I mean, they're barbecuing oh, and smoking the the meats right there. It was and, so hot there, and, and so. You choose the kind of meat, and then you choose some how much how much it's going to weigh, how much meat you want, and the different kinds of meat, and then you choose the sides that you want to have with it. And some of the places specialize in in different kinds of sides, and then whether you want barbecue sauce on it or not, and then you take it away from the counter. <laughs> well, they usually give it to you on a on butcher paper, uh-huh. and so then you unwrap it. <laughs> 
talk. And again, <laughs> very strange. And sometimes you have silverware, and sometimes you don't. And it would never be silver silverware, but no, it would always plastic. be plastic. And of course, for napkins, we have paper towels. The paper towels. Same thing I do in the motorhome. <laughs> yeah. So eating is not a lengthy experience, and or fancy. The, or the fancy. issue here is the yumminess of the food. Yes, and it is. And so we went to Lockhart, Texas, which is has four of these barbecue first trail. class barbecue places and uh, tried all the barbecue there. Uh, they make homemade sausage that's been smoked, which is really good, kind which we don't have, don't have it at home at all. Called, uh, did you find the called? food to be spicy? The sausage. The sausage. Yeah. But the rest of the meat was... What were they called? They were called links or wheels or... Yeah, we, wheels. wheels. Yeah, something like that. But the sausage is all the same and about an eight inch long piece that was tied at the two ends together. And I should add when I talk about spicy, because I'm sure I will again, that I'm a, a wimp <laughs> and that many people that we travel with and eat with are very enthusiastic about the spiciness of the food, which overpowers me. So we tried about mm, about a dozen barbecue places and uh, found them all quite interesting. And, and once you understood the process and the way it works, it's the same. And even when we came here to Missouri to Mississippi, we actually found uh, another barbecue place last night that was uh, in similar sort of stuff. So, you know, trying the regional foods is really kind of a fun process that we hadn't really done in any sort of way because this is not something that you can kind of do by just driving through. It takes a little bit of research. Talking and, to people. And to go to the best places and talking to people. And, uh, you know, most people, if you ask them, you know, uh, give us a restaurant recommendation, they will give you a restaurant recommendation. These places are barbecue places, which is a world apart, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. And we had a similar experience uh, because we moved on from there. We and, finally left Texas. Oh, we want to talk about the Texas State Parks, too. Oh, okay. I think we've mentioned them before. Yeah. But once again... We love them. We love them. They were uniformly Texas, nice, we, well-run, clean, spacious. Decent hookups, you know, the, everything that you expect from a state park. And with the annual pass, um, very a very reasonable. reasonable price. By the way, when you buy the Texas State Pass... State Parks Pass, you get four coupons for free night camping. And that took us a while because they mail them to your house. So you might so want to get it in advance. if you're planning on coming to Texas, you might want to buy your annual pass. And I think bit, maybe we mentioned this before, but it's well worth uh, getting the pass because the, the free camping alone pays for the, the $60 for the pass. Mm-hmm. So Texas uh, has turned out to be a good place to spend uh, the winter and coming north. We had good weather, basically, and we enjoyed uh, the time in Texas. But we had to move on. So we went to Acadiana, which is the Acadiana, part of Louisiana, both north and south of I-10 in the middle mm-hmm. of the state, more or less. And we camped south of Lafayette. Um, we don't usually promote or mention specific yes. campgrounds, but we had read a lot of people's blogs about Betty's The best small RV campground park. in the United States. And uh, the thing that made it special <coughs> was not the RV park, because you're 17 rigs in a parking lot uh, spark- parked cheek to jowl but um it's betty herself and so it's very rare that you find an owner who takes such an active role in the uh good making sure that her guests have a good time and know what to do and where to go and what's available the acadia area definitely needs to have some sort of 
help. Because if you're a northerner like we are, you have no idea what to expect. And we went there and we looked in the in the guidebooks and there really there's a little bit of stuff to do in terms of tourism, but not sites. a lot of sites to see. But we called Betty Made a reservation for three nights, and then we actually stayed another four nights because we were having such a good time. Which seems to be what people typically do at Betty's. Yeah. Betty's is uh, un, uh, it's in Abbeville, Louisiana. And it's even not if, very expensive. And even if you don't spend a lot of time talking to Betty, um, one of her customs is to have a happy hour at 430 happy every day. Um, which may or may which not involve... Which should do. Which may or may not involve liquor, and sometimes people bring nibbles and sometimes well, they don't. Yeah. But the key issue there was that people talked about what they had done that day and where they were planning to go next. And so it really facilitated sharing and gave us a lot of good ideas about more things available in the area that we had never heard of and wouldn't have known about otherwise. Well, we heard about Cajun, but, you know, you don't know what that really means until you go down there and actually try it. So it's an area very rich in a, in a unique culture, which rich. is harder and harder to find in our country as we become so homogenized by TV and movies. And, and, and unlike what we find in the north. And uh, the Zydeco music that we heard was um, great fun, and there were many opportunities to hear live performances uh, for free in a park or at a restaurant. And the eating was fabulous as well, especially if you like seafood, because well, we really got into crawfish. Are crawfish seafood? Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> are they mud food? <laughs> Crawfish in some parts of the country are called crayfish, and they're larger than a shrimp but smaller than a lobster. C-R-A-W-I-F-I-S-H. And some people call them mud bugs because they live (laughs) in the mud. And in this particular area, they have a really nice uh, way of doing things because they have these ponds where they plant rice. And after they've harvested the rice, the crawfish come out of the mud that is beneath the rice, and they catch them. So we had always heard about crawfish, and sometimes you see them on a restaurant menu up north, but you don't really have a chance to try them in their native habitat and that's Cajun. And so we went to, once again, uh, half a dozen restaurants that, that we, we would, would never, never have, have stopped, stopped at. at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're driving down the road. Well, we went to a place. My restaurant. garage looks nicer than some of these <laughs> restaurants. The, the one we went, the last one we went to. <laughs> really We'd funny. seen pictures of it. We'd we had it on the GPS. Yes. And we, and we still drove by up and said, I'm not stopping there. <laughs> And the food was wonderful. <laughs> I don't know where these. This well, is a, you know, this is a very strange experience for us. If you don't uh, they, have a they lot just of money, like, you they don't, just look like dives. You don't and do one of the places we went to, called Sweers mm-hmm. Grocery, was a half the place was a grocery store, and the other half was six tables uh, that was a restaurant. But it was world famous. It's been written up in the New York Times. New York Times, no less, for the great food they have. And it was nowhere. I would never have found that place. You, well. You drive by it without in a heartbeat. It wasn't on a main road, even. Uh, well, it was on a highway, but but yes, you would you would just not uh, not even think about stopping at a place like that. And we walk in, and you order at the counter, and they give you <laughs> a styrofoam box <laughs> to put your food. That's as your food. You know, it's a styrofoam container, and you have <laughs> paper towels. 
and, and there are a lot so, of menu items that you might get uh, in other parts of the country, but it's really the specialty here. And because well, it is the specialty, it's so much were, more nicely there prepared. There were a lot of specialties. Reasonably priced. And for people like me They're who like a lot of priced. variety in their eating, um, every time we went to a restaurant, I tried something different, and it was all good, and it was all fun. Um, and this was not as... Uh, as fried as you might expect because they had uh, something we really came to enjoy and that was the etouffee now etouffee sounds like a very fancy word that you'd find in a French restaurant someplace but the etouffee here was very good and it was made from a base of roux <laughs> roux, roux. roux is like a cream sauce but it's made with flour and oil and browned and that's the basis for a lot of the Cajun cooking it's so so you get the roux and you put in um, shrimp maybe or maybe some crawfish or maybe some flatfish catfish. Or if you're making gumbo, they use chicken and sausage also. And then some other stuff like vegetables or things like that. Okra. And it's very thick. Your spoon will definitely stand up in it. And they serve it to you in a bowl, but it's a main course. And they give you a bowl of white rice, which you mix in with it. Which helps people like me who are being overwhelmed by the spiciness of it. But there are a lot of people who are not like me and, and also then, take advantage of all the spices that are on the table. And the first time we went to eat crawfish, uh, the tradition there was they gave you a little Dixie cup full of mayonnaise. Mayonnaise, white mayonnaise. And then you um, and there's used these sauces that were in a lazy Susan on the table to uh, perk up your mayonnaise to a greater or lesser extent. So you get to make your own dipping, dipping sauce. sauce. Which right. was very fun. Yes, very. And the, you know, very cool. They have all these uh, sauces there, and you can kind of taste them. And many of them were far too hot for us, but uh, you could have it any way you wanted. Uh, we had etouffee, and we had gumbo, which is a whole different ball game. That's more soupy. And then they have boudin, which is sort of a sausage and a casing, um, but it has a lot of other stuff mixed in it besides meat. Uh, and sometimes they make them into boudin balls where they roll them in some <laughs> breadcrumb kind of thing and fry them. Now, she's pronouncing this all very well, but when you look at the words, that's yeah. not how well, they're pronounced. Had we look. had a big problem with many of the towns. And, and people and, are very nice because they've heard their place names and their food <laughs> names mispronounced by so many people. Uh, they just know what you mean, even though you say every it town has, totally has, wrong. And it was not Bow Bridges. Bro Bridge. But it looked like Bow Bridges. No. <laughs> but there are a lot of very interesting towns. Uh, so one, another morning we went to a Zydeco breakfast, which was quite interesting, at the Café de, de Ami. In Bow Bridges. Bow Bridge. And this place is so popular, um, even though it doesn't open for breakfast till 7.30 in the morning, people line up an hour before to ensure that they get a seat to get in, which is what we did because we were well-trained by Betty and her friends. Right. Um, and when you get in there, you order breakfast, and then while you're eating, the band comes and sets up, and people literally start dancing in the aisles. So biscuit with etouffee on top of it and two f eggs on top of that. Now, that's an this interesting breakfast has turned into the food channel. It could be. <laughs> well, we've had a really good foodie time here. I've forgotten how to cook. And then what the last thing we're going to talk about for the food is the crawfish boil. So you, so you take these little creatures. <laughs> I'm these, interested in quantities. These kind of mini lobsters and you boil them and you might put in the boiling water, besides a lot of red peppery spices, uh, potatoes or corn on the cob mushrooms. or mushrooms or onions. Yes. And uh, then you order either three pounds or five pounds. Three or five pounds. Uh, the waiter comes over and I say, oh, we had a waiter. 
Yeah, at that place we did. A surprise. Well, we needed somebody to ask questions. But no silver. No, it was just oh, they brought and, two and on a plate. We and they, split five pounds of crawfish and were, could have eaten more. Yeah, each crawfish has a bite and a half. Because mostly of you meat. eat the tail meat, unless there it's a really people. big one who have the. The claw. big deal is you bite off the head, suck out the insides. We didn't do that. And then eat the tails and the craw- and the claws. We removed the head with our fingers. <laughs> I didn't remove that at all. And ate the claw. And ate the tail meat. Um, but once again, a very interesting experience, unlike anything we would have at home. And because this was the the crawfish season, they were in abundant supply. And five pounds, which sounds like a heck of a lot to eat. And it consumed a whole plate. And a I'm going to put a picture plate, up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, It uh, was enough for the two of us, as she mentioned, but it was only $30 for you know, both for of that. us, and that's and we were surprised that was at dinner this, for two at this restaurant. We asked them of what they're going to serve after the season is over, and they said they close. <laughs> I guess that's a specialized restaurant. Oh, no more crawfish, then we will close because the season is uh, really not all that long. So uh, we are now. I'm going to the Crawfish Festival, and this is festival number two for us. We are going to check out in Biloxi, Mississippi. And compare crawfish. And, and compare crawfish so and see if the Mississippi crawfish are, are a little bit different than the crawfish that we found in Louisiana. Uh, I actually haven't seen any crawfish being grown around here, so I don't know if they are local or not. Well, that's because But this is a festival with 25,000 people, so there's quite town. a lot more to do. And then, Bands uh, and, and then vendors. A, a friend of ours is going to the New Orleans Jazz Festival. Which I think is not well named because it no. put me off because I'm not a jazz fan. No. We've come to understand that but many different kinds of music are performed. 250,000 people. And so you kind of got to decide. And it's much more expensive. Whereas the Blue Bonnet Festival is virtually free. This one here is $13 to get in. And the Jazz Festival is $40 a day. Oh, I thought it was 60 $60 a day, whatever. Substantially more expensive. Whew. Well, we've talked a lot about that. So let's, uh, maybe there are some other RV. Th- oh, I promised that we would talk about more technology. Okay. And this is something that everybody needs, and that's a Silverleaf engine monitor system. Uh, we were camped with a fellow RVer um, by the name of Bill Joyce, and he had showed me his Silverleaf engine monitor system. You know, a lot of RVs you get, uh, in a lot of newer cars, you get uh, some sort of a monitor panel that tells you instant mileage per gallon and all sorts of other parameters that's going on with your engine. Well, this is a, a system where you plug into a jack to that diagnostic jack that mechanics use on your engines when they want to uh, see what's wrong, what's going on with your engine. But this one, uh, mine is actually located right next to the driver compartment so that I can just plug it in and, and by plugging that into the plug on the, on the RV and using my little netbook, I can plug the device in and watch while we are driving all of the engine parameters. But given that the monitor for this device in our particular case is nowhere near the field of vision that you should be using <laughs> while you're driving, um, you have to see out the window to drive. Silverleaf <laughs> monitor, while I understand the advantages of knowing what's going on under the hood, so to speak, um, is very dismaying as we hear about people texting and running into each other. <laughs> um, when you are driving down the road, 
looking at your silver leaf monitor with your head turned toward me rather than toward the road. I find this somewhat Well, the cruise control's on, so I don't care. That, that keeps you going, but what but the anyway, so this, you are not this, going? this is a customizable screen on your computer monitor, which gives you all the parameters that your engine is is doing, how much torque it's putting out, what the what the turbo is doing, the temperature of the turbo, the speed of the turbo, the coolant temperature, the oil temperature, the transmission does, does temperature. Does it save any of this stuff? I'm working on that. Uh-huh. Then maybe so. you could just look it at it tells after us, you get it, it somewhere. Now, it now tells us uh, miles to empty and all the, the fuel issues. And, of course, it tells you instant miles per gallon, long-term miles per gallon. It tells me how much horsepower, how much torque I'm using, what what transmission gear I'm in. Lots of good information to keep. That you shouldn't be thinking about while you're driving. Well, yes, you should, because if something goes wrong, you need to know that. Plus, of course, it lists all of the engine diagnostic messages that the uh, if there's something going wrong with your engine. But I think it'd be neater if you could save it and then after yeah, yeah. a trip kind of review well, it. Well, it has a very nice trip odometer, uh-huh. which tells you... Uh, how many miles since you started? How much time you've been driving? Uh, all the and even parameters if you save that you'd trips, want to know. You could compare how the engine was it, doing that's this exactly year and next what, year. I'm sure that it does that. Yeah, but that's Silverleaf, which is a strange name. But uh, I'll put the link on the web page, and we'll give you a chance to take a look at that also. So if you have a diesel, hmm, I don't know if they make it for gas, but if you make it, if you take, have a diesel, um, you might want to, whether it's even the smaller Mercedes, and I think virtually any diesel, you can hook up the silver leaf and you just and it's the installation is extremely simple just plug it in and it's got an interface box you take that with a usb plug it into your computer and away you go she's over here snoring already all right so some of the other things we should talk about this month um let's talk about things that are not involved with us this is a monaco the new monaco dynasty has a telescoping slide so that when the slide on the passenger side and the telescoping slide on the driver's side is out, it's almost 10 feet wide. You get like a square living room. And and the living space would certainly be nice, especially if you have more than two people in a rig. Um, But I am glad many times, um, and I was surprised by this, that we only have slides on one side of our rig because Mm. sites are not Eh, always eh, so eh. big. And certainly you need need a lot of width. But it has a 42-inch TV. You'd be fine in any of the Texas state parks, that's for sure, with this rig. But would you be fine at Betty's? No. Small divergence there. It's got four slides plus the telescoping slide. Right. So, so one sure of the slides wide. is even wider than usual because of telescopes. Yeah, cool idea. And, yeah. <laughs> green RVs or green campgrounds. It's a bit... This is a bit of a dilemma for me because I, I feel guilty when we're camping because I'm not nearly as green as a camper as I am at home, certainly in terms of recycling, because at home I have bins where it's easy to store glass or metal or paper and separate it out from the garbage. But when you're living in a small space and you have one garbage can, which mm-hmm, you empty mm-hmm. every three days, yeah. um, I, I don't separate the way I wish I would. And some of the campgrounds we've stayed at, have um, recycling dumpsters where yeah. you can separate it out, but by then my coffee grounds are on top of my newspapers right. and 
Um, that's a dilemma. Uh, but certainly we appreciate the efforts that campgrounds are making to be Well, and this green. one, this is an NPR report about uh, the KOA in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is trying to go green. And they have uh, wind-generated power and Solar-heated water, water and, and all sorts of other things. Anyway, it's kind of interesting to, to think about that as an alternative for some campgrounds. Uh, and while you're thinking about campgrounds, you might want to uh, plan to go to Martinsville, Indiana. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> you won't find us going to the Martinsville, Indiana campground. And that's a blessing. <laughs> because this is uh, one of the first clothing optional campgrounds. How do you know it's one of the first? I can't imagine there being very many. I've never run into one. But if you're interested in a... There's probably a whole separate guidebook for clothing optional campgrounds in Uh the United States. Uh, Oh, do you think so? Maybe somebody could send us that list, and we will be sure to avoid it. (laughs) Okay, so that's kind of interesting. Um, We're glad to report also that uh, we see news reports about the fact that uh, that RV companies are hiring and that we see here wholesale shipments up 95%, and uh, RV companies are having a tough time actually... uh, uh, getting their units shipped to the dealers, which is kind of <laughs> a strange thing. But since the uh, the downturn, there have been not many companies do shipping, you know, transporting it to dealers. So the wait at a dealership to get a new RV is uh, over six weeks. Wow. And that's uh, kind of a problem these days. Well, we've talked a lot. It seems like every podcast gets a bit longer. Well, it's because we've had all these interviews, but this is just But we us. don't even have interviews on I this I know. Well, we, we had a lot to do. We could have had an interview on this one. I know. We had an interview in the can, but we'll wait till next month. So we are going to be interviewless. When we're home and leading a boring life once again. Yes. Yeah. We head home uh, in a week and a half, and so by the next time we do a podcast, we will be sitting at home waiting to hit the RV road once again. Oh, so, dear listeners, we do want to entice you to send us an email. And if you do, send it to navigator at rvnavigator.com. Or leave us a voice message at 815-230-0772. And, of course, visit the RV Navigator website. Uh, we're very pleased, by the way, at how many listeners we are. Well, I, I, I don't know how many listeners we have, but based on the emails that we get, we are getting more. But um, And we do love to hear from you, and I try to answer every, every email that's sent to us. But we have had... 34, we're averaging 3,400 downloads a month. That's from the very beginning. Yeah. When, but, when no one downloaded us. Right. So That's amazing. It's amazing. We're out, coming up to 100,000 downloads, which is an amazing number. So we appreciate you, and uh, we like to hear from you, and send us an email or voicemail. Or, or suggestions for future topics. Suggestions for future topics. Until we hear from you then, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot, saying goodbye and hope we run into you at a campground someday soon.